You will sleep better than you have ever slept. You've never been this relaxed. Are you ready to change your life? I'm Rusty Diamond, certified hypnotist. You don't need to leave your house. You can stay in your bed. You can stay in your favorite chair. You just need a computer or your phone. You can get a hold of me. Stay at home. I'll make your life better. Hypnosisisgrade.com It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. Yo. Miss Rusty, what's up, everyone? It is Monday, Monday, Monday here on the p- podcast. Now the p- 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 podcast out of Pennsylvania. Yay! Ooh, that's a it's a breathful. Uh, one day I'll learn how to. I should figure that out at some point. Learn how to talk without getting out of breath. Should you know? I've been around a microphone enough. Uh, I should figure that out at some point. So thank you, everyone, for being here and listening. Um, If you're watching this and you're like, shit, I don't want to look at this guy's face. Then you can go anywhere you listen to podcasts, pretty much. There's probably some obscure ones that I'm not on, but I'm on most every other one. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I wonder what this guy looks like, you can go onto YouTube and just search the Public Access Podcast. So thank you again, everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And it's my time to bring on my special guest. And my special guest is right here and right now. And my special guest is Megan Bondi. How you doing, Megan? Hey, doing awesome. Thanks for having me. That's great. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you for being here and doing this. It's uh, great to have you on here and getting, uh, yeah, getting to have a good way to, well, it's Monday afternoon now. It's not. I mean, it's probably Monday morning where you are, but uh, yeah. now it's not not Monday morning anymore. But uh, I like my Monday mornings, but my Mondays are pretty good too. So, how about your Monday mornings? How how do you like your Monday mornings? You know, I like to transition back from the weekend into a chill day to just get the week started off right, and uh, I enjoy Mondays. Good. Yeah, I mean, as you should. It's it's nice. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's there's because I've definitely you know I've had that time of uh, Mondays, you know that that whole thing, and uh, it's nice to get past that. And doesn't have to be that way where Mondays are terrible. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I don't know. It's a hard thing to like understand that that is something that can happen and it's just real easy to think just like ah ah, ah what am i going to do why am i doing this and then i was like ah, it's pretty good i got to mm-hmm. get to meet new people i uh, don't have to go anywhere it's kind of a win win and but now i mean not going anywhere is more the norm um I was just thinking, like, because, yeah, like, when I, or let's see, when, when the C word hit, when the shutdown happened, um, it was, like, there wasn't a lot of, there weren't a lot of people that were on, on Zoom or doing online anything, really. It was very, very weird. And, like, I mean, yeah, it was weird to tell people like, yeah, because uh, I had just within the year prior um, transitioned to almost all online and it, people were still like, I don't know, like, that does it, does it work? 
And now it's like, okay, yeah, now everyone's like, okay, yeah, let's just meet on meet on Zoom. And um, why not? Why not? Did uh, did you experience any of that kind of stuff or anything like that? Or yeah, absolutely. Well, I was working in public education at the time, and so oh. it really blew up what was possible for what school can look like. And some kids ended up doing way better when they were home because we just have this idea of how it's supposed to be and what's supposed to meet the needs for everybody. And for, you know, there were lots of struggles and challenges, but um, there was also learning opportunities to figure out what works for different people. So, yeah. Yeah, like so when you were younger what would have worked better for you you I think think probably some sort of hybrid where I had something in person every day but maybe it wasn't the traditional school setting as my in-person thing maybe it was going to a musical theater workshop or dance class or something different as long as I had some sort of interaction in person with people, I would have been fine doing a chunk of my learning at home. I, I think I would too. And, um, but I, I don't know. Cause like, uh, yeah, I, I didn't do my homework, I guess. Anything that didn't get done at school would just be, that's it. And uh, hopefully I can get enough to get through without having to do any of that. But, but now that I'm older, like being able to be at home, but I don't know, because I still like to go out and see people. It's not like I don't want that part of my life. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just like how much more I could done. I, I did a data entry thing for a bit. And I was like, can I just do this at home? Why Why can't I do this at home? Right. And then they started doing it at home. But then there was a bunch of people that I worked with because they were all probably in their 20s or something. and um you know younger younger kids and uh or younger adults and a lot of them didn't do that just stopped doing the work because they weren't there and it's like well and then then, like you have to come back into work like you ruin it for everyone and then you know i didn't last much longer after that um because well for sure yeah so you were saying that you were, uh, did you do musical theater or dance when you were younger? Or? Yeah, and I'm back into it. I actually had my oh. first opportunity to be in a music video for a band called The Electric Animals, and it just got released last week. So I oh. do backup dancing at concerts around the Denver area for a different musician, and he connected our dance group to that opportunity so now i'm an official rock star i'd say so um so is it at some uh like uh like at a you see i can't even talk this morning i'm just losing it uh so you said a concert so you're you're like at the concert with the whatever musical collaborative group is that is going and you're in the background dancing doing is there a special kind that you like doing or do they like send you uh some sort of sequence and you work on that or how's that work so so it started out as a cardio hip-hop and pop dance class for middle-aged people who just want to rock out and get a workout and the teacher started it because of COVID because his band couldn't perform in person. And so he's like, all right, I'll start an online dance class. I like to dance. Well, it shifted into in-person and now he's shifted to a different band. And he's like, you guys should come perform with me for a couple songs. So we go to his concerts and we get called up on stage for two songs usually to be the backup dancers. But it, it's really like we went there for a cardio pop and hip hop class. And now we're like becoming, we feel like rock stars. <laughs> and you get a, a free ticket to the show. Um, no, we definitely have to pay to go to the show. that oh, we're Okay. okay. <laughs> but you get to come up there and you get a dance. And, yeah, uh, you get to rock out. It's fun. Yeah. Um, 
So is it like at a uh, like at a venue? Like yeah, a, I mean, obviously a venue, but like like uh like uh what are they called? I don't know, what's wrong with my head today? Um like a like a ballroom or a, uh you know, is it like a an outdoor it's probably not outdoor right now, is it? Probably no, occasionally indoor. we'll do like summer events at maybe a summer concert series or outdoor event where they set up a stage outside or at a festival. And then in the fall, winter and spring, we'll go to usually more intimate type uh, places where it's like a bar and then next door there's a concert venue and stage, things like that. Yeah. We're working your way up to Red Rocks. That's right. Red Rocks yeah. is definitely in the, in my future. I can feel it. Yeah. Have you been there? Yeah. Uh, I've seen a few concerts there. And we also used to go there in high school for film on the rocks nights where they would just show a movie and a bunch of high school kids would go hang out and it would start at dusk in the summer. So been there for that. You're from Colorado? Yeah, I pretty, I mean, I wasn't born here, but I pretty much grew up here. My graduation well, from high school was even at Red Rocks, so. Cool. That's yeah. a good way to, to graduate. Uh, was somewhere in the Midwest? Somewhere upper Midwest? Yes. <laughs> I was born okay. in Minnesota. You hear my accent? <laughs> yep. What whereabouts? Um, in the St. Cloud area. And then I had family all in suburbs of the Twin Cities. And then I went back there for college in the St. Cloud area again. So Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah uh yeah, I, I I heard it. Um, <laughs> I was out there for a little bit, and um, yeah, I was like, "Don't sound like you're from from Denver very much." Uh, but um, so yeah, I mean, in, yeah, Minnesota was is a whole different different thing. Um, but yeah, uh, where what what's your thing with spam? Where are you with spam being a Minnesota person? You know, I'm not a big fan of spam, to be honest. Okay. Like, yeah. 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 I don't really dig it. Yeah. It was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was but an interesting. That likes it, that's cool for them. Just not my thing. <laughs> yep. I was living down in Austin for a while. I live right next door, to, like right across this little. Uh, I don't know. So there's some whatever, way more than ten thousand lakes, but it was a little little body of water that separated uh where I live from the rendering plant. So uh it smelled like spam a lot. Um not not the musical, but um <laughs> <laughs> it often smelled of spam. So then then I try I hadn't tried spam until I was there and um yeah. So I yeah, I'm not not a big spam guy either, but yeah, whoever likes it, like it's great. Yeah. It's great. And there's a museum to it if you really like it. Um, Amazing. But so, uh, okay. So then, yeah, you grew up there. And uh, do I ask how old you are? Is that sure. something? How are old you, are you? Yeah, I think all the ages are cool. Um, I'm 38. 38. Okay. So you were, you would have been few years younger than me so we, we you would have been almost in high school for when with Littleton and stuff was that yeah the Columbine thing yeah mm -hmm. that was cause, I, yeah I still remember the day we went into lockdown on that day when I was in middle school mm -hmm. so you were close enough to there yeah we were on a list online um so even though we were 20 minutes away or something it, we were still on lockdown because of the list they found whoa yeah okay yeah i didn't mean to just like it's just i don't know it's like if you're probably somewhere near near my age almost uh, in the general vicinity but like yeah i know that was a because yeah, like when that happened because then a couple of years before that there was a guy in oregon um, that uh, I, don't know, I don't know why I'm going down this rabbit hole. Be like he was like my age, and it was like, but it was 
you know, hour and a half from where I was. So it wasn't like as close, but yeah, that was an interesting time. Yeah, it's one of those impactful events, especially when you're in the area that you don't forget. And it probably has shaped my journey in some ways because what I've been doing for my whole life has really focused on creating cultures of belonging for everybody. And I think that's something that really makes a difference in creating the the communities that we want to see where where people don't get to a place where um you know stuff like that happens so um it, it does impact you and hopefully it can drive people to uh figure out ways where they can make it positive within their sphere of influence of of moving in a positive direction yeah and so you said you were in like with with schools. What were you doing with uh, before uh, the lockdown happened? What did you say you were doing? I think I missed that part, or maybe you didn't. So, uh, yeah, I was one of those people that I now call it a spiral career path, where I shifted into lots of different roles, and I used to have a lot of shame around the fact that I'm a person who can't stick with a job. I I hop around a lot. I'm not very loyal. And now I see it as I just need a lot of variety and new challenges. And I love to learn. And no, there's no one wrong way to have a career. There's uh, a unique lens that it gives me. And so Really, in the schools, I started as a speech-language pathologist, where I was part of special education teams and provided services to kids who learn differently. I opened up some autism programs, some affective needs programs. I became a assistive technology specialist for the district and did uh, technology tools for inclusion. Then I became a social emotional learning specialist and did culture and climate initiatives for students. Then I did different special ed coaching roles district-wide. Then I was the gifted and talented coach for school. So I really did a bunch of different roles and loved the leadership and systems change type work. Yeah. And then, so once once the lockdown hit were you just like i'm i'm done i'm uh time to time to do something different or i mean well uh cuz yeah i mean like uh having kind of an outsider's view of what's going on i'm kind of in that same boat too like yeah it's jobs for me like yep and like you know you it just different way of looking at things and like it would like when did you kind of know that you were it was or you're able to kind of look at things in that view as opposed to like what's going on does that make sense yeah so it was really when I my kids got identified as neurodivergent and then I realized that I was also neurodivergent and when I started researching what it means to be twice exceptional and have these types of needs for change and variety and new challenges and like values aligned workplace. Um, I'm, I'm definitely an idealist. And so I get a vision and of what, what I imagine is possible. And so it's hard for me to be in a situation where I don't feel like it's moving forward and I'm contributing to, to something moving in that direction. So yeah, it was really just that self-awareness of understanding my brain and learning about the term multi-potentialite, 
that was really important to me. There's a really cool TEDx talk about it. So what's that? I don't know. Yeah, it means like people who have like tons of different interests and passions and bounce around a lot and there's nothing wrong with you and people who are really intense and like to learn have this insatiable thirst for learning like that's me and there's nothing wrong with that like that's why I jump around a lot too so so how many times have you been told do you know what you could do if you just focused on one thing Oh, all the time, all the time. Yeah. It's like, why don't you just focus on one thing? And it's like, that's not how I'm wired. And yeah, I, I enjoy doing different pursuits. And I love the freedom to do that now that I'm self employed as an entrepreneur. And I do see the value of getting focused for a time and putting a pin in things for a little bit until I'm ready to shift around because I only have a certain amount of capacity and energy uh, to be able to do so much, even though I get lots and lots of ideas that I'm excited about. And so I I have to find that kind of happy medium for myself of, of the variety with some sort of focus to be able to, to get things done. So how are you with pacing yourself? Like, uh, let, let's say you're, you come up with a whole new dance number. And this is like from start to the finish. You have it all in your head and you have seven days to do it. Uh, how do you plan that out time-wise? I don't really plan out things. I kind of let the flow happen of when it's going to happen. And so oftentimes there is lots of like marinating in the brain, thinking through it. I'll go on walks and ideas will come. And so it wasn't like I planned to, do some thinking through, um, but like leaving space to have those ideas come through and just making sure I'm energized and, and doing things that I enjoy dance and um, moving and being in nature. And then it seems to always come together right at the end. And I think one of those things about some neurodivergent people who are more procrastinators where it does come to the deadline they're often told that that's a bad thing and I would challenge that that's a deficit viewpoint of one type of brain and really it's just different than what the neurotypical norm would be that somebody created that you're supposed to break things into chunks and do it a certain way like if that's how it kind of naturally comes for me and I'm making it work to meet the deadline, then there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I I get shit all the time from my parents and from my teachers (laughs) for that, for, you know, waiting until the very last minute I, I do it, but that's, I don't know, like whether it was working, you know, in my conscious part of my brain or my subconscious, unconscious, whatever, part of my brain it was in there but then like it it was working working itself to where i needed to get to and then yeah you get to that end part like well yeah let's do this now now we have all the tools uh that we need and can can go through and do it but um yeah i mean it was hard like and then yeah having because i mean it was like you know Back when we were kids, it wasn't really a thing. Like it was just wrong. Is okay. is how it was. Um, it's kind of fucked up. Um, that I mean, it was just like that's just that's what we knew. I guess is it was just wrong, and you know, I needed to learn the way to do it that everyone else is doing it, and it just never made sense to me. I mean, I've made sense to me what they're doing, like that they're doing that and they can do it that way. But like when I'm trying it, it's not 
just not working. This other way I'm doing it is working. It was uh, it was like with with math, uh, show your work. When I could get the same answer, like how'd you come up with it? I just I just know it. Like I don't need to show my work. We're getting the same answer. What's what's the big deal here that I'm not not showing my work? Um, That's so common when I was working with kids who had learning differences in the schools to get into that battle of how are you showing work? And that's why I'm such a big proponent of universal design for learning. And it means like, let's make adjustable approaches for all the different types of learners. And when we try and box people in and say, this is the one right way to do it, let's let's flip it to the opposite. What if what was considered quote unquote normal was you wait until the last minute, you're really spontaneous, you just go with the flow. And then anybody who plans things out is too rigid and they need to go work with a coach to teach them how to go with the flow more and let things happen intuitively and open their mind to bigger ideas. I mean, whenever you pick one right way of doing something to right. make somebody else's wrong, you're you're limiting all of the different diversity in the ways people think. And we need all of the different, just like with biodiversity, when we have lots of plants, lots of animals, the ecosystem flourishes. It's the same with people in different workplaces, settings, wherever you are. Why are we trying to box people in of one right way of doing thing? We're going to miss out on a lot of beauty, a lot of ideas, a lot of creative innovative thinking and and ways of trying things so uh it's really a big problem actually to see one one way of doing things is the right way yeah and like that coaching didn't help me at all i didn't (laughs) i'm right back to doing what i was doing before and uh doing okay and um yeah and so i it's just i can't imagine what school would have looked like with if they had going what they have now um i mean i don't think i would have dreaded every day going going in there and doing that i think you know i i love to learn but right i you know and all kinds of different things some some things are trivial, but you know, some things I really, really like to to learn about. And learn learn a lot of things about them, and um, it, yeah, it was just so easy to just let it let it go and just like, well, just good luck, good luck, and. I don't know. I think I think life could have I don't know not been easier, but like I think I would have felt more like I belonged uh to that rather than just yeah, always kind of an outcast, like ah, this guy's he's not gonna get it. And um Yeah, it was it was tough and like you know even now like i was at um i was at a gym at the gym and there was the the girl at the front desk was wearing headphones like the whole day and like that that's a thing now that can like I think that would have helped out a lot too, having that going on and not getting in trouble again for for that when it's something that can at least for me really helps me focus being able to focus on one thing and same with smoking weed too, like even with that like being that just kind of being able to make my brain focus on one thing 
um, when I needed to focus on one thing it was wasn't always the case, um, but I don't know. Like, so like how how does it make you feel? Like being able to see how much has really changed, just even in like the last like you know ten twenty years, ten years even. I. I'm feeling hopeful at this point to see the innovation that's happening both in education and in the workforce. And now I've shifted my role to really focus on working with corporations and organizations on creating those inclusive environments in the workplace for the different kinds of learners, because really learning never ends. It's not like when you're done with school you stop learning. That's how you're going to continue to grow and innovate with whatever mission you've got going on in an organization. And the more flexible and inclusive we're creating these spaces for people, the better it's going to get with just creative problem solving of the big problems that these organizations are trying to solve in the world, working together, some really cool stuff happening. And it's not perfect. There's a long way to go to really make it a place of belonging for everybody. And I don't see myself being out of a job anytime soon doing this kind of work. But I see forward movement and hope that it's happening and and just creativity around uh, what's possible and how we can set things up and really make small, simple adjustments that are not that big of a deal to really help somebody thrive and give their best and contribute their unique skills to a team. Yeah. And um, I mean, yeah, another thing, uh, like one of the things that was always like kind of a keyword to put on, you know, resumes and stuff was, uh, you know, even if it was a lie, was like fast learner or something like that. And uh, like it's, it was, it was, you couldn't really tell a job like, Hey, like I'm going to need me a little more time to figure this out, but, but I'm going to be more efficient than probably everybody that's working. If you give me a little bit of time, I'll figure out a better way to do it. I'll probably find out a way to do it faster. Uh, just, you know, it, it's hard to, Explain that, and it didn't really. Again, why, you know, probably both of us work more, you know, for ourselves now, and mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. There's, there's, um, such a. I don't know how. Like, yeah, I don't know what the other. There's got to be a better way to say this, and there's another one. But uh, there's more than one way to, because like the original phrasing is fucked. Like there's more than one way to skin a cat. And it's like, well, okay, hold on. There's yeah. there's probably a better way to say that, but that's the one that uh, that I guess I know, and that it it is. But there there's more than one way to do a lot of things. And um, okay. so, how are are you like cold calling? companies and being you know asking them like hey is this something that you're experiencing is this something that i can help you with or is it kind of like you're getting referred over to some or or how's that working so the companies and organizations that i'm working with already see the value of recruiting and hiring people who think differently Microsoft's one of the companies that has the biggest neurodiversity hiring program right now. And there's a lot of big companies following suit with really recruiting and adjusting their hiring process to not be like an interview. Like, why are we interviewing somebody when that those kinds of interview skills are not really required as part of the job? How are we actually seeing what the person's skills are? and uh, 
having them come do shadow days or try internships that are really supported or showing portfolios and just showing their skills in a different way, which is really universal design for learning again. And what my role is, is to make sure that they're creating cultures and systems within their teams and learning and development for those people so that they stay and thrive. Because if a company just starts trying to recruit, they're like, oh, yeah, that is a great idea. Look at all these companies doing different hiring and recruiting processes and bringing in people that might they might not have before. Well, those people are not going to do well and they're not going to stay and thrive if you aren't ready to receive them and support them. And when you make those adjustments as an organization, it's really going to help everybody. It's not like, oh, you're just doing a favor to these people. It's going to help the business. And so I help with designing like meetings and trainings and things like that to make sure that the people are uh, growing and doing well at their job. So one thing that I found that was always pointless uh, to me and um I don't know if you ever came across these, ever worked some sort of, or like, interview, or not interviewed, I guess it usually wasn't an, even an interview, um, applied for a lot of very corporate jobs where they would uh, immediately put you into one of those online tests, like the uh, personality tests. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, I never got further than that. Um, with I don't think any one of those I ever signed up for. So whenever those would just show up, I would just I just got to a point where I said I'm not even gonna gonna do it because I'm gonna answer that honestly. And then I learned what you're supposed to do is you know find a certain way to do it to answer it that way. But then they're gonna meet me and be like, oh you you were not telling the truth there. Um, but those things just every time just got me to like yeah. We we're not going any further with you, and it would say that I'd be like, okay, yeah, you didn't get past this. Like, oh well, okay, shit. What now? And so is, is yeah. the company's loss. That system is not a system where you're going to attract diversity of thinking and invite healthy conflict within teams to really innovate and look at things from a variety of perspectives and get out of groupthink. I mean, that that that's really them um, creating barriers, and and it's only going to hurt them with with whatever their mission is. And it it's smart to uh, notice if a company has those kinds of things about what that says about its culture of inclusion and belonging for people who think differently. Yeah, and I mean. You know, maybe maybe an echo chamber is the best thing for them or, you know, a bunch of people that will do everything they want exactly the, the way they want it done. But then, yeah, like you're saying, then you're missing out on a lot and you're missing out on some way that could be done in two thirds the time. And and I've had it, too. Where I've worked at jobs where I found a way to do something more efficiently and then it's like, no, don't do that, because then it's gonna screw it up for everybody else. Let's keep doing it this way. And okay, well, why am I here? Like, what am I doing? And it doesn't make you feel valued for your for your creative thinking. Right. Yeah. It's just okay. Yeah. Let's just do it this way. Sure. Um, I can do it better. But uh, so. Like when when you figured it out about yourself after your children um, found out that they were, uh, you know, a different learning styles. Did what did you did you just you like take what they the testing they did and apply it to yourself, or did you go in for some sort of testing or talk with someone or or what? Yeah, I. I did some reading and some trainings and conferences and things like that to learn about it. But I ended up talking to my doctor and asking for the testing to make sure that I understood myself and that my own needs were supported. And I still 
don't feel like the assessment that I got really was able to identify uh, my different needs and ways of processing things. Because what I've learned in my research is that the tests are very biased towards adults and towards women. And so it's a lot easier with the tests that are most currently used to identify young boys. Yeah, because like, yeah, they said anything like over uh, for adults, like they a lot of them like won't touch anyone over 26, like for testing. Yeah, and, and even when you do get the test, it the types of questions that it asks and how things are phrased, adults have learned so many different coping mechanisms and have been masking for so long or just yeah. have figured out different ways around it that it doesn't account for. It requires a lot more energy for me to do things in this way than it does for somebody who isn't wired kind of differently than the neurotypical norm. And so the, the effortful uh, just approach that that's needed for me to fit in and do things a certain way doesn't get captured in those tests. And so some of it got captured and I understood myself better. And some of it was that, helped me to be able to find other people like me in different communities, whether they were online communities or, or groups in person where I could really see myself in others and realize that I wasn't alone and the way I think or do things isn't wrong. And it's okay to do things in a way that energizes me instead of an effort, such an effortful way. So what you're saying is I need to be on the lookout for the, the Bondi test to be able to, <laughs> uh, to you know, more accurately um, assess in the future. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, and that, that's a big problem. That's a real big problem. And just trying to call people or get referred or any of that stuff is so hard. Uh, anyone who's listening, it's hard and it takes a long time. And, um, and then yeah. even if you do it, you could end up with uh, evaluators and providers that are really deficit uh, focused instead of strength based. Yeah. And so then they just tell you that there's a bunch of stuff wrong with you and you need to go get all this to get fixed. And it's like, no, the purpose of this is for me to understand myself, see my strengths and get supports that I need, but that are in a strength-based way and focus on what, what I do well. So it, it really, you, you got to be careful when you go down that path to find those people that, that see the strengths. So what are some of the places people could go to find uh, more like-minded people or stuff of that nature or ways to, you know, get support. So if you suspect that, for example, you're gifted or you're autistic or you're ADHD, maybe you've done a little bit of research, you want to find a provider who identifies that way. If you think you're autistic, you should be getting tested by an autistic person. If you think you're ADHD, you should be getting tested by an ADHD person. They really are going to be understanding of what to look for and how to see it as a strength. And that you're looking on their website that they're neurodiversity affirming. Okay. That's good to know. Um, hmm. And so, like, most of them would say it on their on their website that would. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm on LinkedIn, where I'm connected with a lot of people since I work with businesses and corporations. Yes. Yeah. Types of consultants who say I'm an I'm an autistic inclusion consultant or I'm an ADHD uh, 
provider and and therapist or or assessment evaluator whatever it is people Mm. are coming out unmasking not hiding these invisible differences that they've been hiding and there's communities building and a lot of momentum happening in this neurodiversity movement where people are saying we're not broken there's nothing wrong but we do deserve to have language to know about how we are wired and be able to use those terms to find other people like us to be able to collaborate and problem solve the challenges of living in a world that's not inclusive of us. And so there's people out there and I'm finding a lot of them now that I'm in that space. Okay. Um, Cause yeah, I mean like, I don't know. I'm like in the process right now and it's, fucking miserable um they're just like okay refer you to someone then it's like a referral link and then it's like here's a list of people we don't know what they're gonna do we don't know if they're going to um be able to we don't know if they're taking new patients on we don't know if they even accept accept it and then i'll get them like oh yeah we don't know one over 26 or um you know stuff like that so um I uh, might want to pick your brain here after this. Um, it could be good. Uh, it could be helpful. So um, if other people want to pick your brain or get a hold of you or find you, how can they do that? So if they're in an organization and they're a leader of teams and they really want to do the work to have really effective teams in the workplace that are diverse, then they should go to growtoptalent.com. And that's where I offer uh, some information on a private podcast that I've created around really creating that uh, team meeting and those systems and, and finding out the information of how different people learn. If you're wanting to connect with me around my TEDx talk that's going to be coming out pretty soon and just understanding neurodivergent brains. I have a website called teamneurodivergent.com. So cool. Congratulations on that. Thanks. How, how did that go? Was that a, I have another two part question. How did that go? And uh, how much of that was uh, thought out before, or, you know, like how much of it was, uh, did, memorized or was it like let's just go and see where we get because yeah I, that's, I don't know I guess of interest to me yeah for sure so I decided to join a coaching program to help me with the applications I was told that it'd be uh, an average of 87 applications to get invited to be on the TEDx stage I got it invited to three with like 30 applications and turned down two of them but the one that I did um the organizer was really passionate about my topic and I got supported with individual coaching on top of the coaching program I did and most of the organizers do require you to submit a script with drafts and give feedback to um you know it is a reflection of them and their event of how the talks are going to go. And it is really hard, especially when you're someone like me who sees everything as interconnected to get it down to one idea. That's like really, you know, a bite-sized piece of information that people can take something and like take action on it. Um, And so I needed a lot of support to hone down. And my idea shifted from when I first wanted to do the talk to what I ended up with. And it ended up being much more vulnerable than what I was originally planning on. And so I'm scared for it to actually come out and be available on YouTube. I think it will be pretty soon. And I'm going to be okay with it because I know that it was from my heart and uh, what I really had to say. So Perfect. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Thanks. And uh, I one last question. Uh, have you gone to Casa Bonita? <laughs> My husband just asked for that for his birthday dinner. His birthday yep. was on January 30th. And we tried to 
get a reservation and they're booked months out. So, I, I mean, I went there when I was little, probably in middle yeah. school with a friend and they <laughs> like shut it down and redid it and everything. So it's new now. And it is so popular that you have to get on the wait list like months in advance. So it is on the docket to see the new improved version cool. of this cliff diving Mexican restaurant <laughs> in Colorado. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I have been. <laughs> it was wild. I went there like four four years ago, four or five years ago, I think. And um, yeah, just like I, I took the bus out there. Um, not like from uh, we were staying in Aurora and took the bus out. Um, like all of a sudden, like you're down the end of the line, and then you're in the strip mall, and you're like, oh, there it is, right there. The you know at the end of the strip mall, just this. Oh place and um yeah it was it was a trip it was a pretty cool spot so uh yeah i hope you get to to do that uh pretty soon especially now that yeah and it's all um newly renovated and stuff and all the new stuff in there so um yeah so megan thanks so much for being on and like i said i'll i'll probably um message you here in a little bit and pick your brain a bit about some stuff so um yeah so thanks again for being on and i uh, hope you have a great rest of your day all right yeah you too thanks for having me all right thank you you bet all right that's megan bondy so thank you everyone for being here and listening or watching the public access podcast on the rust diamond podcast network hope you learned something because i did so yeah you got a little bit more into the uh rusty diamond brain if you couldn't already tell so thank you again everyone thank you thank you thank you and that is the show man boom It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker. It's Rusty Diamond, motherfucker.